This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. G'day, I'm Mitchell Johnson, and for 10 years I bowled fast for Australia. Ten years I had batters shaking in their boots, but I did so without always feeling comfortable in my own shoes. For the outside world, I came across as a fire-breathing dragon with ball in hand. On the inside, I was battling my own demons without always getting to talk about it. But now I'm retired. My left arm can't do the talking for me, so I've decided to open up and talk for real. So let's do this. In comes Mitchell Johnson now. This is the Mitchell Johnson Cricket Show. You're listening to the Mitchell Johnson Cricket Show. My name is Varasundaresin and I'm here, as always, with my trusted colleague and friend and the guy the show is named after, Mitchell Johnson. Mitch, how are you doing? Have you been following the World Cup? Uh, have you been following the upsets? Hey, Brett, how are you? Um, I have been following a little bit of the World Cup and trying to follow all the big upsets um, as we saw Netherlands getting through, beating South Africa. There seems to be a little bit of a, a theme going on with the batting at the moment with teams trying to be none down for around that 50 uh, runs mark in the first 10 and and trying to make a lot up through the middle and back end. So with a lot of power hitting teams out there. Uh, so yeah, look, it's been an interesting World Cup and obviously England losing uh, to Afghanistan, which isn't as big a surprise. It is for me anyway, because I, I know Afghanistan as a team, how hard they've worked and, and you've seen they've been getting some results um, playing international cricket. But I think it's probably surprised England more than anything. Like I said, for me, I think they're a, a good team. Yeah, and even calling it an upset for me sounds wrong. You're right. I mean, Afghanistan have been a full member nation for a while. They're a test team. The, the story itself is amazing. I mean, everything that's happening behind the scenes uh, with Afghanistan as a country, they're still like, you know, they've been rocked by an earthquake. And what this team is doing to bring uh, joy to those people is quite something. So it goes well beyond cricket, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, they, they, they play with passion, they play with pride and and you definitely see that and, and the way that they go about the game. And any team that's in the World Cup, you, you have to look at them as, as threats in this World Cup. It, it's probably one of the most even World Cups, I think. And the way that the format of this World Cup is is at where all teams get to play each other. There's these things happen, and and you've got to be on your game throughout the whole whole World Cup. Yeah, I think there's a perfect subway. Uh, say subway. Well, I think I'm just hungry. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is uh, pretty early in the morning here in Bangalore, uh, and I haven't had my breakfast. But uh, not that I have subway for breakfast either. But there you go. <laughs> but a perfect segue to uh, our topic for the week, uh, the 2015 World Cup. We just. Uh, uh, mentioned it briefly, just not being able to make early breakthroughs, which is something your team from 2015 did not have an issue with. Uh, it's it's funny, right? Uh, when you 
think of the bowling attack from then and and now the only person who's missing is kind of you yeah. <laughs> uh everybody else is still there uh Mitchell Starks there Josh Hazelwood's there Pat Cummins is there Glenn Maxwell's there and obviously Adam Zampa's the uh the the addition the, uh, let's say no James Faulkner in comes Adam Zampa that's the only real change i can see from then uh and it's been 8 years on uh last week of course we spoke about the 2007 world cup your first ever world cup match even though you didn't play a game australia won that one uh and it is uh, uh, i should go and listen back to it some wonderful funny anecdotes as well michael hasi is still must missing i hear <laughs> but uh, this week's about uh, your last world cup and as we just found out before i pressed record also your last uh, one day international ever was the world cup final of 2015 when you became world cup champion yet again yeah i mean i'll start from the beginning and and i remember we, we were sitting down as a group and because the world cup being in australia and new zealand we just wanted to go out there and enjoy ourselves in front of an australian crowd the first game was in auckland so we had to go there first and and we were beaten by a better side but again Mitchell Stark almost won us that game with his performance um, the way he bowled was outstanding and continued on throughout the whole tournament we, we sat around and we spoke about let's not add any extra pressure on ourselves there's already the pressure of a world cup let's just go out there let's enjoy it let's enjoy the moments in between because we had a week in between games so you'd play your game through the weekend and and then you'd have the week training and, and we just wanted to enjoy ourselves and and not have that added pressure of being in Australia. We knew that the crowds would be behind us um mostly until we got to the semi-final and SCG there was more of a more of an Indian uh fan fan base there, but there was little things along the way that we just did that uh, we enjoyed each other's company. We went and had meals with each other, we'd have a beer with each other. We just had a really good time because I think mentally we we were fresh every time we went into a game. And I guess when you look at a World Cup, when it's spread out like it was, it was a very long World Cup, but it worked really well for us because we could refresh, we get ourselves right, train through the week, work on things that we wanted to work on, and then be right to go for the game. So, um, yeah, it was a pretty amazing World Cup and something um, I do remember fairly well. I mean, this is when Philip Hughes has passed away, right, at the start of the summer. It's a, it's a very... difficult summer for all of you i mean you're all friends with him and uh, i remember how uh, impacted you were in that test series against india that just uh, you know preceded this world cup the first ball you bowled to virat kohli you hit him on the head and i remember seeing you uh, visibly visibly shaken and you didn't bowl a bouncer after that and, and this world cup kind of is a part of that summer right i mean just the fact that phil wasn't there with you had had sunk in and was that part of the a discussion at all as you started the world cup um i think by that stage yeah like i said we we just wanted to probably be at a point in our careers just enjoying ourselves and and getting back to what worked for us i think we definitely yeah after phil had passed and um like you said it had an effect on on everyone in that team um in in different ways and and it was a real struggle for a for a period of time there and it was something that definitely was still on my mind when I finished playing cricket full stop you know it definitely was something we'd spoken about throughout the summer and and into leading into the world cup we just had to find our way of playing cricket again because yeah we had to play that that series against india the test series against india you know straight after the incident and it was very difficult for us to do that so yeah i think as time sort of you know you, you start to heal 
in ways um, in your own time. It'll, it'll never be, you know, it'll never be forgotten, that's for sure. And But it was just getting back to the basics for us again and, and focusing on the best way that we could play cricket. Um, and, and like I said, just going out and enjoying it and having fun. It was, you know, it was pretty special to, to play a World Cup in your home home country and and to play a final at the MCG in front of a, a huge crowd against a team that beat us in the first game it was a it was an amazing world cup as we just mentioned earlier this uh, would be your final foray in one day cricket as well uh, and you didn't announce your retirement or uh, I don't even know whether you were sh- you thought this would be your last uh, say one day tournament uh, but like where were you at did those thoughts cross your mind at all at any point or did you feel like I'm still on top of my game I thought it would be my last World Cup I just didn't know where I was at with one day cricket uh, yeah I probably thought that I'd had more opportunities when I made my decision to retire, I just went with everything. I said, I'll just retire from all formats for Australia. Uh, I'm happy to move on. But I, I didn't think about announcing anything because I probably didn't know during the World Cup. And like I said, my main, my main focus was I wanted to win the World Cup and I wanted to enjoy it and, and make the most of it. So I feel like I was able to do that. I, I mean, a simple thing as we, we stopped having beers on planes when we traveled like years before that because there was this perception of what it looked like and and I actually I don't know where I think we we're in Adelaide and we were flying to Brisbane and I think we'd had one or two beers maybe on the plane and I think it was two beers and Mitchie Stark and Joshie Hazelwood saw me crack a beer and they just went what the hell are you doing Jono I was like I'm having a beer I'm gonna enjoy myself and they all went oh we'll have one too so they all ordered one and for me, that was just a, it was a great little moment because like I said, there was a perception of how we should behave and how we should be and and I was like, you know what, I want to enjoy myself, I'm going to have a couple of beers and no harm in it. We had days, we had the next day off and you know, there was no issues. We, we really had a good conversation, we just had a, we had a fun time um, and then like I said, we, we just enjoyed the moment and that's what I felt like that World Cup was about was all those little moments and, and just being together and for those of you listening uh, to this outside Australia Australia is a big country so Adelaide to Brisbane is a three hour flight so two beers or a three hour flight is isn't well, it could have been three beers <laughs> okay fine there you go <laughs> no, but, well, so it was just your call is it like you decided you know what like I'm going to do it as a senior player and like uh, everyone else followed suit yeah uh, the, the boys joined in because it was like I guess it got to that point where it was almost frowned upon, um, and I thought, you know what? Like, there's no harm in it. We're not, we're not annoying anyone. We're not, we weren't rowdy. Um, we're just having a beer and just being normal, everyday people. I guess that, that's, you know, that was just us. We wanted to. That's what we wanted to do. So, yeah, when the boys like, you know, looked at me and they were like, oh, their eyes lit up. They were, they were all for it. And I remember we actually got to Brisbane. We went to a, a pub next door to us and, and we sort of had a few more beers and, and really had a good time together. So, um, And then we got back into our training. Uh, unfortunately, I think that week it rained a bit and we, we ended up missing that game. Um, who was that against? Oh, this is the Bangladesh one. Bangladesh one, yeah. So we ended up not even playing, but we, we made the most of our time together and you know that's something that sticks in my memory. 
All right, we'll just take a little break, uh, Mitchell Johnson, and, and we come back. Uh, more stories from the 2015 World Cup, and maybe Mitch will reveal uh, how many beers he did have on the <laughs> flight between Adelaide and Brisbane. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You're listening to the Mitchell Johnson Cricket Show. What we'll do now is go uh, match by match and try to see if anything jumps jumps to mind. Because Australia had a pretty smooth uh, journey into the quarterfinal, uh, except that uh, slip against New Zealand at the very start. You didn't have a very flash day, did you? Six, what, I just saw your figure, 68 runs and six overs. Very unlike you, Mitchell Johnson. I was playing T20 cricket uh, <laughs> at the time. No, um... That start of that game, that was where it was spoken about where um, New Zealand were, were quite friendly towards us before walking out for the anthems. And Brad Haddon was like a bit flustered. Uh, it, it sort of it didn't sit too well with him and, and it didn't sit well with me either that they were trying to be matey-matey with us while we're about to go out there before the first, first game of the World Cup. Um, we feel like it was definitely one of their plans. They're definitely a nice side, but it was just over-exaggerated a bit more. So, yeah, definitely um, they were into our heads a little bit. You know, it's quite a small ground, Auckland, and the, the crowd is right on top of you. And we, we didn't bat very well at all. It was a massive collapse and got the ball in hand. And I remember bowling to McCullum and, and he hit me over backward square leg for a six. I think he hit me twice and I, then I hit him on the elbow. Then it was back on to getting smacked around the ground um, because it's it's one of those one of those places where – Again, it's quite difficult when you haven't played there in a while and the grounds are small. You, you tend to go for, for a lot more boundaries um, and the faster you bowled, the, the further you went. So, yeah, it didn't have the best of times and then Mitchell Stark stepped up and almost almost uh, won us that game and you could sense with way, the way that New Zealand were going at the time, the crowd was really loud, loudest I'd ever heard there and it was full support, they were loving it. Um, and getting right behind their team, and then as Mitch Stark w- was charging in and bowling fast and 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 doing everything with the ball, bowling great Yorkers, good change ups, um, he, he really uh, played the conditions really well. The crowd went really silent. It was deafening how silent it was, and we could actually hear each other again. And I remember sort of talking to Starkey, and and we're at mid on and mid off, and back at the top of his mark and he just had this focus about him and he just knew what he wanted to do and, and he was in the zone. So we sort of just let him go and do his business and um, yeah, it was so close. It was it was pretty devastating in the end when, when we did lose um, and I felt for, for, for Starkey the most um, because he gave everything he could. But for me personally, felt like I let the team down in that situation. Uh, I'm sure a lot of us felt that as well. So... I mean, it wasn't the best start for us, but it was it was a start that I guess we needed to wake us up. We we did, we, we stuffed that first one up majorly. 
you guys were up and about uh, against England uh, back then in 2015. You completely demolished them. It was a different England. Of course, this is before they discovered one-day cricket had moved on from them and it wasn't still uh, 1975. And you just blew them away. Aaron Finch gets 100, 135. Glenn Maxwell, who had a great tournament actually, uh, smashes us down the order. So does Brad Haddon. You guys make 342. Um, and it's easy. Mitchell Marsh takes five wickets. And now when you see the England team and how they have reinvented one-day cricket or white ball cricket, almost unrecognizable, right, that England team? Yeah, totally different way to play the game. Um, they've gone about it in, in, a, in a different way now. But back then it was, um, I think, where it worked really well for us is we just played our brand of cricket. We played our aggressive brand of cricket. We didn't get involved in any of the off-field talk or... Or anything that they wanted to, you know, say that they were doing. Um, whereas I feel like, yeah, it's probably changed a little bit now. There's a lot of talk about the way that they play the game, and I wonder how how many players. There was probably a couple of players that were from that time still. Um, Butler and Stokes isn't playing. Yeah, really. Moin Ali was around as an opener. Chris Walks was around, but like uh, mainly just Joe Root and Joss Butler, you would say. It just goes to show, though, like that turnaround from England. I guess after after that, they they had a real plan of how they wanted to go about it, and that's probably come to a, a point now for them where it's it's not quite um, as strong as it was. But yeah, that that game against England really in that 2015 World Cup was was a big one for us because. England are competitive and they're a top side and we, we wanted to blow them away and we did. Uh, this is this is your homework uh, and before we press record next week, I want you to take a close look at all the left-armers in this World Cup and I've been really impressed with a lot of them uh, except India and the Netherlands. Uh, pretty much every other team has a left-armer who's swinging the ball in uh, like Stark and uh, even for Faruqi for Afghanistan, obviously Trent Bolt. Uh, the Bangladeshis have done well, Shoriful. Uh, and the Sri Lankan uh, uh, youngster the other day, Madhu Shankar, who's like getting the ball to go a lot. So uh, there you go. On the fly, I've decided that'll be our next episode. I like that. I think that'll be a good chat. <laughs> Just about playing England in a World Cup, uh, Mitch, how different is it to uh, the Ashes? What I mean by that is it's still a big game. It's not just a bilateral ODI, but it's not the Ashes, right? Like, So do you have to kind of fake manufacture like uh, kind of uh, that heat in your head because it is England? Nah, there's no fakeness about it, mate. It's all, <laughs> it's all it comes pretty naturally. Um, and I think it's, you know, it goes both ways. Um, it definitely, uh, it, it's different. It's obviously a different format, but yeah, the heat or what you like to call it, the heat. Um, uh, yeah, it's 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 all there. We, we want to win. We want to beat England no matter what format it is. Um, it, it probably doesn't feel quite like an Ashes series, I, I'd say. Um, but it's just a shortened version of it, I guess. Um, it's probably not as draining as what an Ashes series is. Um, you know, when you're playing five matches in that series, it's it's at the end of a, 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 an Ashes series, you're, you're pretty buggered at the end of it, uh, mentally and physically. But yeah, no, it's it's always nice to be able to, um, yeah, take down England in any <laughs> format. Oof, just the look in your eye when you said that. Uh, you should just, just take that clip out and just play it on repeat. That's all we need. <laughs> uh, and uh, we'll just uh, take a little break right there and uh, come back uh, in just a second. Uh, 
Uh, you're listening to the Mitchell Johnson Cricket Podcast, and uh, we're talking about the 2015 World Cup, uh, and uh, we've reached the knockout stages. Uh, Australia have pretty much seen off every other opponent. Sri Lanka are the only ones who kind of come even a little close to challenging them. That was probably... Um an interesting performance. Like if I'm looking at it personally, uh, Dilshan smacked me for was it six fours in a row, or five five fours? Five fours in a row, yeah. Five fours in a row. Um, it was quite funny because I remember that that game and and I, I remember those those deliveries and I felt like maybe one ball was probably a bit full, but the rest were like decent enough balls. Like he had to play good shots, and he was on fire. Like and I was like, going, oh, where do I bowl to it? Because Dilshan was like that. He was a, he was quite a hard bowler, uh, batsman to bowl to um, because he was such a free-flowing player and played his own way and um, had a, has an amazing eye, sees the ball really well. Still does. Played him in the um, the Legends League last year and, and he still sees the ball very well. Um, but I remember, yeah, I, I actually remember um, that moment and thinking, oh, this is not the start that we needed. But... Um, yeah, I was able to come back and, and sort of bowl a bit better after that. But, yeah, a dangerous player. He's a bit like, I guess, the um, those those type of players that you look at, like a Saywag or a uh, Brendan McCullum, that just take you apart um, and all of a sudden your score's none for 50 um, after not many and you're, you know, behind the eight ball a little bit and you've got to, you've got to bounce back. So, um, yeah, that was a big moment personally in, in the World Cup and, and we were able to bounce back fortunately enough. And uh, speaking of, not sure what happened there. <laughs> like it is India, but uh, there you go. Uh, maybe they're just excited because we've reached the quarterfinals. Yeah, of this 2015 World <laughs> Cup. <laughs> uh, uh, famous quarterfinal. Like everybody talks about. Literally, when you think 2015 World Cup, uh, people immediately go to Wahabrias to share Shane Watson, right? Like, uh, but Australia weren't chasing a big score at all. Uh, I think Josh Hazelwood had one of his better performances. Uh, he took four wickets, uh, opened up the game early on. Uh, you and Mitchell Stark did what you do. Uh, Glenn Maxwell had a good day with the ball. But uh, yeah, but just just the whole thing about playing a knockout uh, at home, uh, Mitch. Yes, you spoke about being together, being united. And then you reach a knockout stage where regardless of who you're playing, one slip up and you're gone. And in that format as well, whether you have to play three knockouts to win a World Cup. Yeah, I mean, it also started off with Pakistan winning the toss um, and batting first, and um, you, you go into that, and you there are nerves around um, because it's this is getting serious now, and and like I said, we know Pakistan what they're capable of. They're, they're a little bit unpredictable, but um, you know they had some star players there, and and we you know did our research and made sure we'd you know been following what they'd been doing throughout the World Cup and. With all the teams, you know, all the teams do the same thing. You're watching each other and um, you get to that stage and then it's, um, you know, you have to win. And, um, yeah, for us it was it was about not playing – it wasn't about – yeah, it wasn't about us playing into their hands and they almost dragged us into that a little bit um, with that little battle uh, that was on. Um, it could have could have gone the other way quite easily if, if Wahab – had ripped through through us, um, it could have been a different story, and I know a lot of us didn't want to be facing that, and it was just it was just that that 
that moment for us, for Australia, and what Watson did was um, a pretty big moment, and it, it definitely got us over the line. So, um, yeah, it's it's funny when you're chasing a small total and um, at a ground that you know you sort of think, oh, wish that shouldn't be too too bad of a chase. Um, small sort of square square boundaries, and um, but that's Adelaide Oval as well. The pitch can be uh, a bit deceiving at times. It can play a bit different, play a little bit slower sometimes. I think it was had a bit more grass on it from memory. Um, than usual so yeah it was a, an interesting interesting night but it was again we just had to stick to playing each moment and and we won those bigger moments um, like I said. Wahab Riaz is an interesting one right I think world cricket never really recognizes how special a bowler he was uh, Wahab's different like he blew hot and cold right he could have days where he was spraying the ball everywhere and he wasn't always this quick or he wasn't he wasn't always intimidating uh, he he was he could swing the ball he could play that third seamer fourth seamer role but on that day he was breathing fire right I, I've never seen him bowl like that before then or probably since then maybe here and there yeah it probably just wasn't as uh, a consistent bowler like you said a bit hot and cold and um, if it wasn't all going for him and, and he didn't you know wasn't up and about then um, I don't know it almost felt like it had to be moments for him to to be introduced into the attack um, like that moment with Shane Watson um, I did he definitely enjoyed the big moments uh, from what I sensed Um because it was a few one-day series played against him, and and I actually remember playing him. I don't know if it was in the UAE or, or something. Uh, we played a one-day series, and and I faced him, and he was bowling 150 clicks, and but he didn't quite have the sting behind it. Like it was fast, but it wasn't. Yeah, he just wasn't totally with it. I think, and and it wasn't backing himself. I started to take him apart, and it frustrated him, and he just. You know, bowled more half volleys. He tried to bowl a bouncer, and um, by that stage, I was on top of him. Um, and you know, for a bowler to be on top of another bowler, um, you know, it's quite frustrating. So, um, yeah, definitely a bit hot and cold. I just wonder if he had the right sort of uh, people behind him helping him, um, or if it was just a mindset thing for him. Uh, maybe it was just one of those things. And he definitely had the skills and talent. And and like I said, we saw that in moments um, throughout his career. And you get over the line against uh, Pakistan. Before Shane Watson even walks out to bat, Steve Smith plays a very important innings, makes 65 uh, and 69. And as that tournament progressed, he was just getting better and better and better. And uh, Steve Smith, the one-day batter, doesn't often get spoken of in the same breath as Steve Smith, the test batter. And I mean, there is a massive difference in averages there. But uh, I think... You know, if if Steve Smith wasn't as good as he is in Test cricket, I think we would be speaking a lot more of him in one-day cricket. And as he proved in that semi-final, uh, he set the game up for Australia again uh, with uh, one of his many centuries against India. Well, you know, Smithy in that Pakistan match, he played the situation really well, and I think that's why why he was so good um, at that time. Was he was playing the situation as he saw it. Um, yeah, it wasn't a, a a big strike rate, but um, it wasn't he wasn't able to play that way. So he just played the conditions and played to what was in front of him. So um, and then he could yeah definitely go after it when he needed to. Um, yeah, he, I think you're right. Like his one day, his one day stuff is, is good, and I think I don't know if I've seen a change since he's been playing the IPL. Um, yeah, whether his sort of one day format 
has changed a bit the way he goes about it. I don't know. Um, maybe there's too many shots available and, and, and that's something that has distracted him from playing the way that he has played in the past. I, I don't know what it is, um, but he's still. I think he's still someone that's needed in this team and, and he plays a, a very important role. Um, he can you know, pull it in when he needs to and he can go after it when he has to as well. And the innings he played in that semi-final, uh, you know, it's India, like you said. Uh, it's suddenly it doesn't feel like a home World Cup anymore. Uh, it, it is it is at the SCG, uh, and uh, so what what was the talk in, in in the dressing room about that aspect of like you know I know it's been a home World Cup so far, but we all know how it's going to be when we face India. There'll be a lot more supporters. Uh, you know, going for them. Obviously, uh, the image of uh, the India-Pakistan game from that tournament at the Adelaide Oval. Yeah, massive. Yeah, yeah, and you still see it, right? Like when you uh, walk into the like or land in Adelaide and you walk through, it's still a picture of that. So it would have been quite something. And actually, on that, like, do you remember watching the India-Pakistan game from back then? Like how Adelaide was lit up? Yeah, well, that was the biggest game of the of the tournament. Everyone was waiting for that because of. Uh, the support that they were going to have behind them. So yeah, it was it was talked about through the tournament and something that everyone was looking forward to to watching. So um, it would have been amazing to be there live and to experience it, um, and it would have been a great feeling for the players as well um, to be supported in that way. So um, yeah, it was it was a hundred percent something that was was mentioned throughout our, uh, the tournament um, as as probably the biggest game to watch. But um, yeah, I rem- in that semi final and. Yeah, look, we didn't we didn't have or we didn't it didn't look like we had that support, but we we definitely felt like we had support. Um and we as the game went on, we we definitely felt it more, but yeah, that that start was what we needed. Um you, know, you lose David Warner early, um who's one of the key players, but again, it's it's other guys stepping up. Finch has decided to um you know, he, he's going to be a part of that that semi-final it's a big match he wants to be be up there he wants to um but he played a great role as well like it wasn't yeah. as quick as he normally is we've seen him demolish teams i've seen it yeah. him do it over in england where he's yeah. he's taken england apart in, in one day cricket and done it at a fast rate but he's done it a lot slower in that game because smith was the one that was leading the charge and and um playing you know like i said they both played the conditions they played their roles really well and Again, it's one of those things that when you set the game up from the front, it makes a big difference at the back end. And um, you know, a, a few of us were able to chip in at the back end to to get that score over the three hundred, which was a real big score and a really important score for us to get um, because I felt like if it was under three hundred, it would have probably been chased down. Yeah, and uh, you helped them get over the line as well in terms of getting to three hundred. You smashed it around towards the end. A very crucial knock in the in the biggest game of things. Yeah, I remember walking out and remember feeling the crowd and feeling how loud and hearing how loud it is. And and India were probably thinking at the time and felt quite confident. I think that they were going to just finish us off. Um, I guess I had other plans. Um, and and I just I just sort of backed myself. And I just thought, you know what, we whatever happens happens. I, I just took one ball at a time and I really kept it simple. I don't know. I just swung the willow, mate. To be honest, um, I'm just I've just looked up the stats here. Uh, it's 27 off nine balls. I'll take that. But like I said, it's only because of how our innings started that I was able. You know, the momentum 
swung back to our favour. Um, yeah, our middle order wasn't as as good in that situation. We we could have really cashed in, um, but they you know had some um, was it Sharma um, Ashwin. Um, you know, spinners do come into play in those conditions in Sydney. So, um, yeah, the middle order didn't cash in as much, but um, it was set up really well, and we, we were able to get over that 300 mark. Yeah, England or India lose by by a pretty significant margin, and you guys are off to final against New Zealand, and not this time in Auckland, but you are facing them at the MCG. And look, New Zealand don't play a lot at the MCG, do they? I mean, they played their first ever Boxing Day test since the 1980s, some three, four years ago. Uh, and even one day is uh, the occasional one here and there. So s- sudden change for them as well. I mean, they were co-hosts of the tournament. But I'm sure as they walked out uh, onto the field at the MCG, they didn't feel like co-hosts. Uh, or was that part of the discussion? Like, you know, we need to make them feel like they're far away from home? It's really interesting, this, because they hadn't played a, a game in Australia in that World Cup. And a lot, like you said, a lot of them hadn't played in Australia at all. Um, so we had a bit of confidence going into that final because of that reason, knowing that these aren't postage stamp cricket grounds like they were in uh, New Zealand. Very small cricket grounds there, very easy to hit over the top and, and you know, to, for it to be a six or hit a boundary. Um, the ball... Um, fly, uh, it was flying around over there, but whereas at the MCG... There's huge pockets. You can run threes um, very easily. You can almost run fours. Um, well, there has been fours at times, but um, the pockets are so big. Um, it's such a big ground. It's so different. The crowds are different. Um, we felt like, yes, we definitely had support. They had support as well. We, we could see that. But um, I think the moment was probably may have got a bit bigger on them. Um, we were definitely more confident um, playing them there. Um and we felt like we'd we'd won a few games through that tournament, um, through that World Cup, that had really helped us at the back end um, in getting into this final. So, um, yeah, we, we, we went out there and um, spoken about a few plans and, and I think the biggest plan was the McCullum one, which, um, yeah, it was it was amazing for us um, to watch Stark run in that first half. He almost got him first ball. It was pretty close to hitting the stumps. And I think second one swung and it was uh, almost hit his leg stump. Third ball, just absolutely perfect. Um, the perfect Yorker. We felt that to be able to get McCullum out so early was going to be key. It wasn't going to be the, the end game, but it was definitely key for us to, to take away their momentum. Um, they still had plenty of good players coming in. Um, and But no, no one to the extent of what McCullum could do um, to take the game away. Um, so Stark's ball, you know, everyone's up and about. It, it brings the energy. Like I said, the crowd was about. Um, and 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 it was really fitting for, for Mitchell Stark as well because he, he was ended up being player of the tournament. Um, and he played the big moments really well and um, he deserved that. Um, he deserved to be that player of the series. Oh, totally did. And uh, But you got some big wickets as well. You got rid of Ken Williamson, Cotton Ball. Uh, kind of, did the ball get kind of stuck in the pitch? It 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 was a, a strange kind of uh, dismissal. Yeah, there was a couple of deliveries I bowled to him previous to that that just cut across him a little bit. So the pitch was I don't know it was um it was a little bit slowish off the deck I guess. And he's tried to 
just play it a little bit towards the leg side maybe and close the face a bit early. Um, so, yeah, it just sort of held it, held a little bit maybe in the pitch. Um, took the court and bowled. And, um, no, it was nice. Um, it, it, actually, it's quite funny. Um, I don't know if you'll laugh at it or not, but it was very serious um, work out there because you wanted to get player of the, the match or, or player of the series because you could win a Hublot watch. These really expensive watches, though. Boys were like going, "Oh, I want to win the watch. I want to get player of the player of the match." <laughs> but no, look, it was um, it was good to be involved and to play my role as well in, in that match. Um, like I said, look for me, it was all about the team and and you want to. We wanted to win. Didn't matter what we did, but yeah, like you said, throughout the, you have a look at most pretty much everyone in that team in that squad when they had a moment and they they. You know, everyone participated in some way, and um, yeah, it's good to to be able to do it in a final and in front of your home crowd in a, in a World Cup, and to lift that trophy at the end was was pretty special. So basically, when you're celebrating that Kane Williamson Cotton Ball, you're thinking, okay, one step closer to the watch. <laughs> <laughs> it was all about the watch, mate. Of course, it Nothing was. Nothing else. <laughs> uh, yeah, you spoke about the Mitchell Stark Yorker to Brendan McCallum. You bowled a really sharp one to Dan Vittori later on. Uh, and you get another one. Oh, I cop, I cop a bit of like stick for that one. They, there was, I saw something about um, that I'd given him a send off, but all I did was stare at him. I never gave him a send off. There was never any words said to him. So anyway, <laughs> thought I'd just clear that one up. Oh, there you go. No, no, I did see. I have seen replays, and you do just stare, like you don't say anything. You give him the Mitchell Johnson stare of "I got the better of you." Yeah, uh, we'll just call it that. <laughs> uh, yes, we will. Yeah. So look, one eighty three. Uh, look, uh, 183 is a very famous score in uh, in India because that's what they made in the 1983 World Cup final and ended up winning. But was there any nerves at all about getting 184 in a World Cup final at the MCG with the batting form that you had and the batting depth that you had? Um, I think there was definitely some nerves. Um, again, runs on the board count big time. doesn't matter how many, and especially in a, in a moment like that in a World Cup. Um, but like I said, we, we, we had a, we had a pretty strong lineup, um, pretty, we were pretty confident. We've gone through some, some close, close-ish games, um, where we had to dig, to dig in. Um, but I think the, the big thing, like I said, is what I mentioned earlier was, um, we could always run twos and threes at that ground. So if we couldn't get the boundaries, you could always push it for like a two or a three. And I think having that understanding of the ground, was really important for our batting lineup um, because it just put us in a really good position that we didn't have to panic at any stage, didn't have to get the boundaries. So when they were available, you go for it. But when they weren't, look for those big gaps. That was the big thing that we looked at was those square boundaries. If you get it in the pockets of those square boundaries where the uh, fielders had to run a bit, then we're definitely going to get you know, a lot of twos and, and, and a, a lot of threes as well. Uh, just a winning moment itself. I mean, we spoke about 2007 last last week, pretty farcical in the end, a bad light, and you're just waiting for it to get done with. And and this is like you as a young kid, like, you know, you're just excited that Glenn McGrath signed a shirt for you. Uh, and, you know, you, you're slightly disappointed you're not, you haven't got a single game. Uh, compare that to 2015, um, whether you knew that this was going to be the end or not, for you in one day cricket, you're the senior member of the side. Uh, and what was it like? How different was it? And uh, what do you remember about that winning moment? Um, yeah, very different. Big differences. I was out there in the middle, 
well, on the sidelines. Um, got to run out there. That was one thing. I didn't want to run it. We didn't want to run out too early. weren't sure what the rules were. Um, wanted to make sure that the game was over. Um, but yeah, got to run out there and celebrate um, and then celebrate with the crowd and, and walk around with the trophy, family and friends being there. Um, so it was it was a very, um, very special moment. Um, to feel appreciated from the crowd uh, was was really nice and we, we signed a few autographs as well at the end. Um, I actually remember it getting a little bit pushy at one point, the people were trying to get to the front to get autographs. So I, I'd actually... There was a couple of fans that pushed their way through um, and were squashing a few kids. So I actually told one of the security guards to you know, get them away because uh, I'm not going to sign um, while the kids are getting squashed. So, um, yeah, so that was a little bit bit of a nightmare. But um, I guess that just sort of showed that, you know, you know, people, uh, fans there were, were quite into it, I guess, um, a little bit too much. But um, it was nice to have that support and... And then the dressing rooms afterwards, having family and friends um, with us, um, it was a nice feeling. It's a, it, it reminded me of of the Ashes thirteen fourteen celebrations in a lot of ways. Just having all those good people with us that had been on that path with us, um, and yeah, I guess I didn't really know at the time what was going on in my career, so um, it was just a, a a great celebration. And yeah, that's where George Bailey broke the the trophy, which, funnily enough, was. And it was almost like a tradition in the Australian cricket team at one point with Matthew Hayden hating trophies and breaking them. Um, but, yeah, this was uh, George Bailey had sat on, on the trophy and bent it. And the story came out of, of him um, going getting it fixed at 5 o'clock in the morning or something, like ringing up some, some guy in, in Victoria, Melbourne, to get it fixed. Um, but it was funny because we went to celebrate the next day and they had the second trophy so we didn't realize that there was two two trophies so um, one for the for the fanfare um, and, and that yeah that was a nice turnout that day as well it was a hot day in Melbourne um, from from memory so a few boys were sweating it sweating it out and we went up on stage and and it was just great to see the support that was you know was there as well because it was something that you don't see when you're on an overseas tour or you know, in a, a World Cup away from home. So it's it was nice to have that support, um, which we're very thankful for. No yachts, no um, uh, crazy people getting uh, going missing? <laughs> uh, nothing nothing too crazy apart from, from George just breaking the trophy um, and ringing up some random bloke. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the celebrations were good, um, as good as can be. Um, and then you sort of move on to the next next um, next thing. Yeah, I mean, it was in Ashes year as well. So I guess even though what this is the end of March, the focus sort of starts shifting already, right? I mean, not not in the moment, not on March 30th, the day after you won the final, but I'm sure as... I don't think it was long after. Yeah, exactly. I yes, we left a couple of days after maybe, I'm not, from memory. Yeah, um, maybe a month maybe after? Maybe a bit more. Yeah. Was it a month, was it? Yeah, maybe yeah. a month. Yeah, so it wouldn't have you, been like, you yeah. Know, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> you just went some, through with it. Some of the finer details I don't remember. Yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, and like I said earlier, I mean, you didn't play one-day cricket after that. And you look at some of the, the greats to have finished their one-day careers with uh, a World Cup trophy, Imran Khan. I mean, I'm sure there are more, but the ones that really stand out are Imran Khan, Glenn McGrath, Sachin Tendulkar, 
Mitchell Johnson, Michael Clark. Uh, so uh, a good list to be a part of, Mitchell Johnson. Yeah, um, feel very honoured to be part of that list. And it's honestly, like I said, this is the first time we're speaking about about this and, and having the knowledge of it. So um, I don't really know what to think. I think it's, yeah, that's pretty cool um, to be to be a part of that, to finish off in a, in a World Cup, something that's such a, a big tournament and something that's very special something I hold quite dearly as well um, in the one-day format. Um, like I said, like we've spoken about briefly at, at times, um, it'd be sad to see it uh, not uh, being played. But um, it just, yeah, it, it's a great way to end, end a career and um, to be able to win on home turf and, yeah, special. Two, two-time two World, World Cup champion you were, uh, you know, one without playing a single game and one with, while playing every game and having an impact in the final and uh, uh, is there anything we've left out at all about the 2015 World Cup Mitchell Johnson that you want to talk about? I'm sure that, I'm sure there is. Yeah. I'm sure there is. It's one of those things that, um, you know, I can tell my side of things, what I remember and what I saw and it's not until you speak to your mates that you played with, your teammates and um, and they remember different things and, and that's where the conversation... So that's why we will get some some of our mates on here at some point and, and we can talk about different things. But no, I, I like to be honest, mate, I, I don't really uh, know if we've missed anything or not. I think we've uh, covered a lot a lot of good things there. And, you know, like I said, my, my memories of it and, you know, my feelings of um, that World Cup. Lovely. And... Uh uh, what you will not miss uh, at all on the show is a lot of stories, a lot of Mitchell Johnson, uh, a bit of me. Uh, I just come with the pack package. Uh, and what you need to do is to like, to subscribe, to leave reviews. You have to leave reviews, uh, good ones, actually only good ones and very good ones. Uh, and, and just keep you know share, sharing our podcast, subscribe to us. We're out, out every Monday morning, uh, Australia time. I'm not going to specify city times here are too many time zones to cover uh, and we'll keep talking to you we'll keep uh, uh, bringing you new stuff I've already leaked out what the next episode is going to be about left arm fastball so Perfect. if you are a fan of left arm fastball tune in yep thanks Barat and uh, thanks to to the fans those um, that have commented as well I've seen some comments come through um, through Instagram um, so thank you on the feedback it's been really nice to hear um, people enjoying what they're listening to um so yeah keep it up and like subscribe and and do all those things and um we'll see you next time sports social podcast network